Welcome to the High Reliability Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Martin, from Goslin Martin Associates, as always. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Um, and of course, you can always find our open jobs at goslin-associates.com slash jobs. There's a lot going on in the job market. We're not here to talk about the job market, though. Today, we are here to talk to Carol McCormick, and I welcome Carol to the High Reliability Podcast. Carol is the Facilities Director for Common Spirit Health. She's located in Omaha, Nebraska. Common Spirit was formed when Catholic Health Initiatives and Dignity Health merged. Carol is responsible for two locations. She provides facility ops leadership and strategic vision for Mercy Hospital and Emanuel Medical Center. Carol's responsibilities include the environment of care, life safety and emergency management compliance, engineering, maintenance operations, and project management. Carol's responsible for more than 5 million square feet and 85 acres of property, so a pretty large role. Carol's been working in healthcare for more than 25 years, and she actually told me she recently celebrated a healthcare anniversary, which we may or may not get to. Her introduction to healthcare was as a director of radiologic technology at the St. Joseph's Hospital School. After eight years at St. Joseph's Hospital School, Carol took on a role as Director of Imaging Services at Creighton University Medical Center. From there, Carol changed course, and she expanded her scope of responsibility into facilities management, so it was an interesting, interesting transition for her. Carol has her BS in Radiological Technology, that's Bachelor of Science, and she also has an MBA. Carol is a Certified Healthcare Facility Manager. Carol, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Peter. Excellent. I appreciate Carol. We had a call in Audible. Something came up for me, and we delayed uh, we delayed taping. So Carol kindly changed courses. So I, I thank her for being here. I thank her for her patience. We're going to start with something a little bit different. I know that uh, Carol is a sports enthusiast. We were talking a little bit about the U.S. Open that was played yesterday. We're taping on Monday, June twenty first. But I have to guess that given Carol's location and her Bachelor of Science from Creighton, she's probably a college basketball fan. Her Blue Jays play my alma mater, Marquette, multiple times yearly. They've been a little more successful than we have been lately, actually quite a bit more than we have been. But what did you think, Carol, of Creighton's Sweet 16 run this year? Did you enjoy it? What were your uh, What were your thoughts? You know, Peter, it was it was a lot of fun. We have uh, we've been waiting for that for quite some time <laughs> uh, uh, as Creighton fans, and so it it was it was it was fun to see them make it to the Sweet Sixteen. I've I've suffered through way too many first round <laughs> losses with with my Blue Jays. So um, you know, I can remember back in the day when I was going to Creighton, where Marquette was doing a lot better than Creighton was. So from from my angle I'm I'm glad to see that the the tables have turned, but I'm sure you're not as happy about that. But uh, yeah, we <laughs> no. got we got a good team. We got a, you know, McDermott's a good coach. Had a little hiccup this year, but glad to see them make a run and hope that they'll be back there next year. Yes, yeah, I always root for uh those fellow Big East schools. It's it's funny to see Creighton and Marquette in the Big East, I was out yeah. at Marquette in the 80s, the late 80s. And if you told me then what would happen, I'd be like, well, there's no way that Marquette's ever in the Big East. So it's it's fun to watch. Do you go to a lot of games? That, what is it? The CH, is it still called the CHI Center? Or did yeah, they change the name? Yeah, it is the, the CHI Health Center. Uh, I don't 
get to too many games, to be honest with you. I, um, uh, I go when I have the opportunity, but, uh, watch a lot, watch a lot on TV is usually what I do. So, yeah, that's a fantastic fan base. That's always a loud building. Yeah. Yeah. We can be, we can get a little crazy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And you know, I think that people, uh, especially on the East coast, I'm from the East coast and we're located out on the East coast. I went to the Midwest for a couple of years for college and all, but I don't think that people appreciate people out here on the Eastern seaboard appreciate how rabid that fan base is in Omaha and how people are really quite supportive of your team. Oh yeah. Omaha is a, Omaha is a great sports city. It's a, it's just a fabulous sports city. As a matter of fact, we are just finishing up uh, the U S Olympic swim trials finished up yesterday and uh, Saturday, the College World Series started in Omaha. So, and then in December, we hosted the NCAA Final Four Women's Volleyball Tournament. So, great sports city. You can see all kinds of great sports here if you come visit us. Yep. Nope. I agree. I've been to, been to Omaha a couple of times. And I agree. Love that part of the country. But uh, we are not here to talk college sports or sports or Omaha, but we briefly, Carol, in your uh, intro, covered that career path. And how did you find yourself moving into facilities management from imaging? And was that a planned transition on your part? You know, Peter, it, it was not necessarily planned. I started out my career, you know, in imaging and, you know, made my, made my way up into some leadership roles within imaging and then actually into, uh, for a period of time, into some senior leadership roles where I had responsibility for a number of the support service lines, such as facilities. Um, in, uh, in 2012, uh, w- the hospital I was at was purchased by another, by another company. And so, so, you know, they brought in their own administrative folks and offered me a job in facilities and, and, and I grabbed a hold of it. And I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I've loved it ever since it is, (laughs) uh, you know, we're kind of the, where, you know, they may locate facilities in the basement, but we most (laughs) certainly are the foundation of, uh, of every bit of health, every bit of healthcare, every bit of the campus, because uh, just so many things that we do that uh, help our patients, help our staff to to be successful day in and day out. So, yeah, I love it, but it was by certainly not a planned planned transition at all. It was Did- uh, it's just something happened, and you know, firm believer that things happen the way they're supposed to. So. Did you jump into it willingly? Was there any hesitancy on your part? What were you What were you thinking? Were you confident? Were you a little nervous? What What was your thought process? You know, at that time, I, you know, it was a leadership role, and so you're you're you you're a leader first, and then you know you the, what what department you're in. I think in my mind, um, mm. comes second, if you will. So I knew how to lead. So there really mm-hmm. wasn't a, a lot of hesitancy there. Um, I guess that probably the the biggest thing is there was a lot of the, you know, day-to-day operations and mechanics of things, obviously, that I didn't know. Um, and and you, so you had to learn that stuff. But, you know, finances, uh, personnel, all those kinds of things, I'd been doing that for years. And so that, that piece of it came pretty easy. Then the rest of it, you just admit that you don't know it and, and start asking questions. I think 
you may have answered my next question right there with that last part where you said admit when you admit what you don't know and start asking questions. I was going to ask you how did the team, the facilities team, um, welcome you or challenge you or what was that transition like? Because you're right. I mean, you're coming into the facilities part of it. You know the leadership part of it, but you don't know the technical part of it. How were you received and how did you shorten that transition? Um, Actually, I was received well, probably because uh, I had been at the same location for a long time. And I'd been mm-hmm. in other leadership positions. So, I, you know, people knew me. And, uh, and so I was probably received fairly well. That's not to say that things didn't, didn't come without, without challenges. Um, you know, they, they, they see a new person, a female person sitting there. Um, does she know how to plunge a toilet? Does she know this? Does mm-hmm. she know that? Uh, and so you, I had to prove myself a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. not, not, not a lot though. They were, they were pretty accepting and pretty willing, um, to help me out. You know, I asked a lot of questions. Um, I do know how to plunge a toilet. And so that wasn't <laughs> a problem. Uh, <laughs> you know, and my dad was an electrician, so he would take me with him on the weekends and I would help him wire houses. So hmm. I, I, you know, I had a lot of background in, in facility stuff, short of, shorter, shorter boilers and chillers. Uh, HVAC is my, is my Achilles heel probably, or it was at the time. So you just, you know, you say, Hey guys, I'm, I'm, I'm with you today. And you get out of your office and you, you, you go with your HVAC tech for the whole day and you learn a whole bunch of stuff. And I think it, it helped to gain their respect that way by, hmm. you know. Kind of undercover boss, but not undercover, I guess. Right, right. What was um, what was surprising to you as you transitioned into the facilities management? Was there something that was kind of an aha moment for you? What What were some of those things that um, stand out to you as as maybe something you didn't expect in a good way or a bad way? You know, I think the biggest aha for me, and I kind of hate to say it, but you always know in the back of your head that those guys are down there just working away, keeping the place running, keeping the lights on, keeping the water on, keeping the air conditioning or the, or the, or the, you know, the, you know, the heat or whatever it is that they need. But I didn't know exactly how much they did or what they did had such great importance. Hmm. Uh, I think, I think the thing that comes to mind is air exchanges, you know, and infection prevention, those kinds Mm -hmm. of things, you know, infection prevention for me when I was in radiology was, 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 was clinical, really, honestly, it was, you know, it was about, it was about hand washing or whatever. It wasn't about, oh, wow, do we have the correct number of air exchanges per hour? Do we have the correct, you know, airflow, um, you know, I tell you what, Peter, I hate to admit this, but it took me a while to understand negative and positive pressure. You know, mm-hmm. I just had to think real hard yep. about, okay, <laughs> this way, that way, whatever. Um, and, you know, I I just, I it's so important, you know, med gas, for example. Right. You know, they're down here checking the med gases and, and, uh, and if we don't have med gas, then what does that do to our patients? So I think that was my biggest aha was not so much that I didn't 
I didn't appreciate him, so to speak, but I just didn't have a real sharp understanding of how important it was, uh, the things that they were doing. Hmm. That's interesting. What do you think, Carol, um, what do you think can be done or what, I mean, people work in facilities, they're not after attention, right? They don't really seek the spotlight. You just do what you do. And as you said, you just make that hospital run. But do you think there's anything that facilities can do or should do to um, not shine the spotlight, but to, to, to educate folks as to the importance of the role? I mean, I think COVID to a certain extent helped in that regard. I mean, a, obviously a tragic situation, <laughs> but it helped shine the spotlight on some of what the facilities departments do. Do you think above and beyond that, though, that facilities should do more, can do more, or is there simply not the time to educate folks as to the critical importance of the role? I think absolutely, Peter, there's a whole lot more that we could do. Um, I think those of us that are attracted, attracted into facilities, either, you know, getting there on purpose or by mistake, are <laughs> by nature doers. Mm-hmm. And so we simply, we get in here, we get it done, and and we go home, you know. Uh, but I think that as leaders, we could do a much better job internally amongst our peers to to make sure people understand the importance of what we do. I don't I don't really think that you know I think of my team and when I first got here um I said okay guys when you go up to do a work order on a floor I want you to go to the desk I want you to introduce yourself hmm. uh say I'm here to do this and then go about and when you're done go back to the desk and say okay I'm finished. You would have thought that I was asking them to give me their firstborn because they don't even <laughs> want people to know what their name yeah, is, right, more or less right. have to talk to somebody. So, yeah. you know, it's just the little things about, about, you know, yeah, taking, taking credit for what you do, um, letting people know who you are, saying hi in the hallway and you know, I'm here to, I'm here to, you know, fix your lock or whatever it is. But I think the real onus is those of us that lead, we need to be talking to our peers and saying, hey, here's what my guys did today. You know, don't be yeah. afraid to, we do a thing called faith over fear. And it's a weekly, it's a weekly recognition of, of an employee. I can't be afraid to nominate some of my guys for what they do. You know, it's not always the clinical mm-hmm. folks that have to, have to get those kudos. And so I think, I think really it, 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 it belongs more to the leadership than it does to the to the staff members to make sure people know what we do and how important we are and what a difference we make in uh, in the lives of everybody in our buildings. You um, you threw a lot into that one answer. That's really good. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff in there because you, you cover a lot of topics. And you know, it's funny. I think people always try to boil things down to simple black and white, right? And it just, life doesn't work that way. And I think no. what you do daily doesn't work that way. Let me just go back to something you had mentioned though, like the communication part where you said, when you asked your staff to do that, it was like you were asking them to give up their firstborn. Did you get staff to come around? And how do you, Carol, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, the folks who work in facilities, they want to operate in the shadows, get in, get out, do what they do, do it well and move on. How did you get them or how do you get a staff that's reticent normally to maybe communicate 
how do you get them out of that shell, make them feel a little bit uncomfortable and get them to interact and communicate? Because as you know, the soft skill component is so critically important these days. That Peter, that is so true. And, and it's, it's a journey that takes a lot of patience. Mm. Um, you know, you go up there with them and, and, and take them. And when they're going to change that lock, you go with them and you say, Hey, John and I are here to change your lock. This <laughs> is John. And, and, you know, and you support them in just simply that, that introduction. But the other mm. thing I think that probably helped the most is I would talk to them, you know, be it when I was rounding or staff meetings, whatever it was about the things that made them most upset. Um, For example, you know, they don't put the work orders in right or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. Those things that made them most upset and felt like that hindered their work or made them less efficient by just going and being personable and introducing themselves and doing the work and saying, Hey, I'm finished. That helped them Hmm. get people to understand, for example, why do I need a work order put in versus (laughs) just stopping me in the hallway and hoping I remember to do it. (laughs) So relating to them about their frustrations and helping them to understand when we do this kind of thing, when we have soft skills and we communicate and we, we, Remember that our team isn't just the people in the in the POM shop, but everybody. That's going to help you and make your life easier too. And I think that's really what got them to do it more more than my well, Carol said I had to do it. You know, <laughs> right, right. That had to be. Um, I don't know if, how, how long did that process take. I mean, it's a and maybe it's still ongoing for you, but that's a big time commitment on your part too. But how long did that? How long did that whole exercise take? You know, some people, obviously, some guys are are quicker to accept stuff like that than others. Um, But it took a long time. I mean, I I have one guy that that just doesn't really is kind of a kind of a very introverted guy. And just the other day on his own, he grabbed a CNO and took her down and 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 showed her where all the transformers are in the basement and explained everything to her and everything else. But, you know, I've been at this particular facility for nine years. So, (laughs) you know, it didn't take nine years, but uh, but for the most part, it was a it was a long journey. I would say one to two years before everybody felt comfortable doing it. Yeah, wow, wow, that's so. Uh, that must have made you feel good, though, when you when you saw the person it take did. the CNO down there. It did. Uh, it's like planting a seed. I guess you never know when it's going to sprout. Um, I don't know if this statistic is still accurate, but as of a couple of years ago, um, it was said that nine point one percent of the industry was female. When you were breaking into facilities management, that number was probably even lower um, than it is now. What? advice would you give to a female looking to break into healthcare facilities management? I would, I would say first and foremost, just continue to be yourself. I think a lot of people uh, breaking into a field that is, is dominated by uh, someone other than somebody like themselves try to try to try to be somebody else but you just have to be yourself and 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 you have to you have to know what you know 
and you have to know what you don't know. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and not be afraid to say, I don't know that, but I want you to teach me how to do that. I want you to tell me about that. You know, a lot of times I joke, I say, Oh, I have people to do that. I have people that know that. <laughs> and, you know, don't ask me a thing about a boiler because I got people that do boilers, but I know <laughs> the importance of boilers and I know mm-hmm. that I have to have the right people to get them to, to work appropriately. So I think just being yourself, not being afraid to say, Hey, I need some help uh, because I, I don't understand this as well as maybe somebody else does. And then find yourself a really good mentor. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a female mentor. You know, um, as a matter of fact, in facilities, there's a lot more male mentors than there are female mentors. But find yourself a mentor to help you through because there is a lot to learn in in facilities. You know, just the environment of care chapter in Joint Commission mm-hmm. alone takes years, you know. So, um, but uh, I guess those would be the three things. Be yourself, know what you know and what you don't know, and find a mentor. Wow. You boil it down so that it sounds really simple, right? Three, <laughs> three sound bites of advice. In, in, yeah. in practicality, was it more difficult? Like, did you, did, you come to the, did you come to figure this out over time? Or like, how did that process, you know, work for you? Um, I'm a pretty confident person, Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, I, I can't say that, that, Back in the day, there were a lot of times where I just thought to myself, okay, I'll go find out myself. I'm not going to admit <laughs> that I don't know that because I, I'm sure I did that a number of times. Um, you know, the the point in time where I figured out I needed to say, I don't know that, please tell me how, has a lot more clarity to me than those times where I probably yeah. wasn't saying it. Um, but it did come fairly simple to me. Um, you know, I've always been kind of a learner. So having to learn has never, never been a, been a problem for me. And then I guess now's a good time to, to, to plug my favorite professional society. Uh, I immediately joined the American Society of Healthcare Engineers and, uh, got involved at the state level. Um, and, you know, just kind of immersed myself in, in the field and, um, probably the best professional society I've ever belonged to is the mm. American Society of Healthcare Engineers. And there you, you, you find people all over the country uh, yeah. and, and they mentor you and you, you get involved with them. And um, that's probably the best thing, best thing I did. But I guess I'm rambling here. I guess no, to, not at all. Uh, not at all. to answer your question, it, I didn't find it real difficult but I could see easily where some people, some people could, because it can be intimidating to, to be a female in a mostly male world. Um, but you just can't let them, can't let them pick on you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, I want to follow up on the ASHI because I know that you're very involved in the, in the women's networking and mentoring community. So I do want to ask you a question about that. There was a, um, a very interesting post on there a couple of months ago that you had responded to that I want to ask you about. But before I do that, um, you you said you have to be comfortable saying, I don't know that. Now, male or female, doesn't matter what you are. For some people, it's very difficult to say, especially in front of an audience or maybe in front of the people they're managing. 
I don't know that. Have you always been comfortable saying, I don't know that? And for a person who, I always think of Fonzie, I don't remember on Happy Days, Fonzie could never say he was wrong. Like there was a particular episode where he's, and he just couldn't blurt out wrong. And I think there are people <laughs> with, I don't know that, who are like, what advice would you tell? Or how would you, you know, if you had to tell somebody, you were mentoring somebody, you know, saying, hey, Pete, you got to be comfortable saying, I don't know that. Are you going to be comfortable admitting when you're not? understanding something. What advice or what would you say to somebody who who's reticent to say, I don't know that even when they don't know it? Oh, wow. Um, the act of not saying, I don't know, is going to be a lot harder <laughs> on you than <laughs> admitting that you don't know and be willing to learn. That's probably mm. what I would tell them. Because if you admit that you don't know, there's a lot of people around you can give you help, but you're not yeah. going to get it. And you run the risk of, of possibly making a mistake that, that could be detrimental, maybe to your career, maybe to patients in your hospital, maybe to, you know, your leadership abilities, whatever it may be. So I, I would just, that's what I would tell them. I would say, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot harder on you to, you know, not admit that you don't know than to admit that you know and be willing to learn, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we've all been in those situations where you maybe admit that you didn't know or you say something and then automatically you just feel that weight on you. Right, <laughs> you know, you, you right. missed an opportunity. You right. know, you missed an opportunity for help. Well, and two, it, it, it most certainly takes practice. Don't I sit mm. here saying how how you should do this, but you know, it, it was, it's way easier for me now, 40 years into my career than it was 10 years into my career. So it takes practice. It does, yeah. Everything takes practice, right? Um, so I, I'd mentioned, you had mentioned Ashy and you're a frequent poster on the Ashy Women's Network and, and mentoring uh, community. I read that board as well as there. Ashy main board. And there was a question once that you responded to, and it was a, it was a question I enjoyed the, the, the question that was posed and I'm paraphrasing cause I don't have time to read the whole thing, but was, do you find it hard to break into the male clicks in your workplace? I had appear, I appear to be very feminine on the outside, but grew up a very big tomboy and thoroughly enjoyed activities and discussions that are considered more masculine. For example, playing golf, fishing, shooting, skeet, discussing and playing sports of any kind. How do you promote yourself as able-bodied and minded to your male counterparts? So that was the question on the board. And you replied, and again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And, you know, as I speak with you, I can hear you crafting this message. It sounds exactly like you, but it was your, your and I'm paraphrasing your response. You said, I am very blessed with the direct communication style. I also love to golf, watch sports, and enjoy craft beer. This helps me break into the group. My strategy is to just rump, jump right into any conversation that is going on. I will let them know what my hobbies are, and then I can hold my own in a sports conversation. Be willing to invite them to a round of golf, axe throwing, I love that one, beer drinking, or skeet. Once they figure out that you can keep up with them on the golf course, they will love to have you in the foursome since you can play from the forward tees. A long female hitter is great to have in a scramble. Persistence is the key. Great answer. Can you talk about that perspective, Carol? And and how did you arrive at that philosophy? And was it difficult for you to arrive at it? Um, 
you know, my perspective has always been if there is a a group of people that you want to become involved with, if there's a, a, you know, a society, a club or whatever you want to call it, that you want to, that, that you want to become involved in, then you just have to become involved. You can't, Mm. uh, you cannot stand around the edges and, and hope to get invited in. Um, Now you might get kicked out, uh, but, (laughs) uh, but you can't, you can't just hope that, to be invited in. And I think, like I said, I'm blessed with a very direct communication style. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more, more uh, outgoing than I should be on some, in some situations. So, you know, I just jumped in with both feet. So my perspective's always been that way. I mean, even, even when I was a kid, I think I got that from my dad because he'll, he'll Mm. talk to anybody. Um, is it difficult? Absolutely. It's difficult Mm. because, because not only are you a newbie into the crowd, so to speak, but you're, you're a female in a mostly male crowd. Um, and so, uh, you know, and it's just, it's just life. We're looked at differently by, you know, one gender looks at the other gender, you know, differently a little bit. And so you kind of got to prove yourself maybe more than the new guy would have to. But um, I have never been in a situation where I didn't have the the uh, the respect of the people that I was I was with or the group of people I was I was uh, I was with. Um, again, luckily, you know, I have a lot of uh, just like just like the other woman said, you know, uh, you know, I grew up as a tomboy. I played softball. I played basketball, you know whatever it may mm-hmm. be. So, and I, and I like, I like things that they like, you know, I guess I shouldn't assume every man on the face of the earth likes sports, but <laughs> good percentage, um, right. you know, so you got to talk their language and you got to be, you got to be comfortable talking their language. And then if they don't listen to you, just keep talking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> eventually they will understand that, you know, you can, you can hold your own with them. So, uh, but again, I think it kind of goes back to that earlier question, Peter, that you asked me, you know, about, uh, you know, advice to a female getting into to healthcare facilities management. Always be yourself. Never, never try to to be something that you're not because, mm. because that 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 won't work for that won't work for you. And it'll make you feel bad, you know. Yeah. So just be yourself. Be able to have a conversation that you know, about something they're having a conversation about and, and maybe try to draw them into, you know, a conversation about something you want to, you want to have a conversation about, you know, one of the other things I do is I play the violin and, um, Hmm. you know, not a lot of my sport enthusiast contractor friends uh, (laughs) play the violin, but you start talking to them about it and you find out, Oh, they like going to the symphony, you know, or whatever it may be. So kind of going back to that be yourself thing. Um, you how how many years have well. you played the violin? I started playing the violin about 11 years ago. Oh. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, uh, I just, all of a sudden I decided I wanted to learn how to play the violin. I thought it'd be cool to do. And I thought I'd <laughs> learn and then I, you know, probably not, not keep doing it. But I play with a group of people now. And uh, we play together every Monday night, and uh, we have just a great time. So, yeah. Well, it was it difficult. To, I mean, the violin looks yeah. complex. It, it is it, very I mean, difficult. That has to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, the thing about the violin is if you're not if your finger's not on that string right where it's supposed to be, everybody knows it. Because it's not hmm. like a you know, and and you know, it's it's there's no frets like there are on a guitar. You know, so you have yep. to you have to know and yeah, you have to know where to put your put your fingers, but you also have to be pretty pretty ambidextrous because <laughs> takes both yeah. the left and the right hand to make that thing sound decent. So trust me, I'm never going solo, Peter. I'm never <laughs> going solo. Uh, but I think doesn't it though? Like you alluded to it, when you make a error, does it stand out more because the sound is like ooh? It can depends on what kind <laughs> of error it is, but. Uh, yeah, it can. That's why, honestly, that's why I play in a group and I just, I play for fun. You know, I play for enjoyment. Yeah. I don't, uh, don't try to do anything too wild with it, but yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, um, it's just something different for me that I enjoy. Yeah. Doing, so. Do you find it, uh, is it peaceful for you? Like a, a little bit of a change where it's kind of more introspective and a, a departure from what you normally do? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. That's part of the reason I do it is because it is huh. so, so far gone from what I do uh, most of the time. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, kind of along, you know, those lines, you, you just said, you know, you've been in management, you've been in healthcare for 40 years, you've seen multi generational workforces. Have you seen generational change? And, and how do you manage different generations? that's a that's a that's a big question um um yeah sure i i i manage multi-generational workforce but i will tell you the healthcare field is you know in five to ten years going to be in a world of hurt uh because there's a at least in at least in this part of the country because uh the majority of us are closer to retirement than uh than not um Uh, you know, how I manage them, you know, I, ha- I, I keep the same leadership style. Um, I think your leadership style is, is, is something that you, a part of it, you know, you, you just, you have, but then you, you hone it, you grow it, you uh, perfect it a little bit. And so trying to change it based upon, say, every one of your employees is going to make you very unsuccessful. So I keep the same leadership style, but I, but I study the, the, you know, the things that are available to me to understand, okay, I know how to relate to people that are 50 and older because Mm -hmm. I'm one of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I just hired a young man that's 23 years old. He's our, um, our uh, safety specialist here. And I had to go out and figure out how exactly to relate to a 23 year old. Um, yeah. and so I had to do some learning. I had to study, but I never, I never changed my leadership style, mm-hmm. um, because, because that served me well over the years. And so, you know, but you have to understand what they want, um, what their expectations are as well as, as what, you know, giving them your expectations, uh, probably right. not the best answer, but, um, but just, you, you kind of. You just try to understand what they need and and help them to understand what you need as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I can tell you, a twenty three year old style is is much different 
than <laughs> than my sixty year old electrician, right? right. So, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You just, um, you know, you alluded to the fact that within the next five to ten years, a world of hurt. Now, I'm just wondering your opinion on this this next question because we get asked it a lot, Jack and I, in our role um, in recruiting. I actually did a podcast on it um, and released it May 26th. It's just about a degree in the field in healthcare facilities management is the, is a degree a necessity. And I'm actually writing an article about it now because it's just so critically, you know, that question as we lose people, as people retire and fewer and fewer people are coming in to replace that drain, um, you know, there's a focus on it. Do you think, Carol, though, it is a degree imperative or if you've got a technical background in those soft skills, is that, does that work? Or what are your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, it's a little out of left field, but I was just wondering, you know, as we talk about people leaving and just not people here to replace them, is a degree a necessity or is experience in the field, uh, does that work? What what are your thoughts? You know, I think, I think you can do it either way. I've seen people, uh, I know people that have, you know, been come up through the trades and then and then work their way up into management and uh, and have been very successful. Myself, for example, you know, I, I took the weirdest path ever, but I but I have a degree <laughs> as well. My degree has actually served me quite well in the leadership role portion of all of this in the in the management role. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you, if you want to get into management and come up through, through the ranks, so to speak, you need to go out there and you need to find that person. And that person may be the person that you work for right now. And you need to tell them, Hey, I need to, I, I really, you know, I want your job someday when you retire, mm-hmm. but I need you to help me understand it. Um, and it's because it's not that they aren't going to be really good at, at, at managing, you know, and understanding the boiler, the chiller, whatever it may be. But a lot of them aren't going to have the, the financial acumen that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're the largest cost center in any hospital. You know, yeah. uh, your boss comes to you and says, you know, decrease your utility costs by 5% year over year. Uh, you know, you, you need the skills to know how to do that. Um, yep. And I think that degree, a degree gives you that kind of skill to a certain extent that maybe you can't get uh, working up through the ranks, but there's also a lot of skills that working up through the ranks will help you with. So either way, but decide, you know, if if you're coming up through the ranks, decide that you want to and make sure you surround yourself and, and with the people that can help you and ask the questions and, um, make that extra effort to learn those things that might not be, might not appear to be valuable to you right now, but they're going to be valuable to you in that next step in your career. Yeah. Good answer. And I think that's, that's kind of how I fall as well. Um, you know, I, I see, um, organizations will, they'll just for lack of a person's degree, they might, you know, even if somebody's got 20 years of progressive leadership experience in a hospital facility, they're just, they're not considered. Um, and I feel for those people, right? Because as you, I mean, 20, 25 years ago, that degree wasn't the end all be all. Um, you right. could go into the trades right. and, and make a real good career for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, it's what we don't know when we're younger, where we're going to end up. So it's, I think it's an interesting question going forward because it's certainly, it's certainly not going away anytime soon. Right. And I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, when you're, when you're 23 years old, you don't know what you want to be when you grow up, you right. know, yeah. um, or, or most of us don't, let's put it that way. Yes. I can guarantee yes. you when I was coming out of, coming out of college, I never thought I'd be sitting here doing a podcast with you talking <laughs> about healthcare facilities management. I didn't yes, even, I'm in the I really boat. don't think I even knew it existed. So <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny as you could go back and connect that journey, but at the time you certainly don't know it. Um, you, you work for um, Common Spirit Health. Common Spirit was formed with Catholic Health Initiatives and Dignity Health merged. We're seeing more and more Carol um, matrix reporting structures where directors have a dual reporting structure where they might report on a national level and then locally at their hospital. Is Common Spirit a matrixed organization? And if it is, and whether it was when you were with CHI or before the Common Spirit, what advice do you give a professional who's maybe working in a matrix reporting structure? Because more and more hospitals are systematizing. This is, again, this is a trend that's going to go continue. Is 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 there a hint to, or is there a um, suggestion you could provide for somebody who to work in a matrix reporting structure and do so successfully? Yeah. Hey, that's, I tell you, Peter, that's a great question because I ended up in a matrix reporting structure. Oh, well, it was probably around 2012. So about 10 years ago. Um, so well into my career, obviously never been in a matrix structure and then, uh, was, was put into a matrix structure. And I'll tell you, it was one of the hardest, uh, mm. transitions that I had to make in my career and figure out, figure out how to do it. As, as a matter of fact, we used to, those of us that were not in the matrix structure and then were brought into a matrix structure, we, we used to joke about, uh, you know, about, we, we had to have a meeting with those of us that, that were in the matrix structure, kind of like a counseling sort of meeting so that we could figure out how to, how to do this. Um, I would say patience is, the, is one of the number one things that, that you need to, to have. You, you, you need to, to work at assuring that both of your bosses – or how many you have, you know, at one point I had three, wow. uh, know what, what they're all doing with, who with the, your life, so to speak. Right. Who are the three, um, Carol, not by name, but who are the different, so I imagine locally, nationally, had, and then who's that third? Well, I had actually, I have two hospitals that I'm responsible for okay. and each okay. hospital had a president that I reported to. Okay. And yeah, then I right. had, I had my national level Leader. Okay. So, so I had a dotted line to the two presidents, Jeez. and then, and then you know my direct line to to my division person mm -hmm. at the national level. Now, since then, uh, the two hospitals that I have responsibility for have the same president. So now I only I'm back to two. Um, That's good. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, you need to you need to make sure that they know what the other one's asking you to do, what's being asked of you. And, yeah. and you almost, one of your, one of your job duties is, is, you know, managing the two of them, so to speak, 
to understand because, you know, your division director might come down from a national level from facilities management. Okay, here's all these initiatives that, that, that we want you to do. And then the, on the local level, they see your role differently or, or, or they use your role differently. Maybe not see it differently, but, but use it differently. And pretty soon, you know, it's, it's a new fiscal year and you end up with 15 goals and you're like, time out guys. <laughs> right. Uh, right. You know, so you, you can't be, you can't be afraid to say, Hey, you know what? Here's everything that I'm being asked to do over here. And here's everything that I'm being asked to do over here. How do the two of you want me to manage this? You know, hmm. here's your priorities. Here's mine. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes, you know, when I have, instead of having one-on-ones, I'll have like a two-on-one so huh. that all three of us are talking together to yep. understand each other. And that's been very helpful. But it was hard right at first. I, I was clueless, to be honest with you, to know how to how to deal with it because I just hmm. never had to do it, you know. Yes, yes. Was it um... – did how did you how did you figure that out like how did you figure out how to to make both sides happy and what was that process like for you well it was it was it was not comfortable by any means and i i i should have done it differently but it, it you know it gets to the point where okay you're going to fail both sides so to speak yeah. because you know you just you just have too much on your plate you know you just you you become to feel you know i became to feel overwhelmed with, with all the asks, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's when I just said, okay, the three of us have to sit down and talk and we have to, we have to understand um, what's happening here. Um, Again, my direct communication style is always helpful. Uh, (laughs) No guys, we're not going to do it this way. Right. (laughs) Uh, And, and, and luckily I work for two great people that, that are very understanding and really want the same thing for, for the organization that we work for. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and so, but it took some time and it, it had to get painful for me before, before I realized I had to do that. Um, you know, whole <laughs> fear of failure, I think is what yeah. actually fixed it because uh, I was just trying to do it all and that just doesn't work. So, mm. well, it's another great example of just getting back to, you know, communication approach your soft skill approach just you could have been the greatest technical person in the world but without that kind of common sense and and coming to the you know what i need i need to bring people together in communication you probably would have failed but you've got that other side that works yeah so i am um speaking with carol mccormick carol is uh, facilities operations leader and strategic vision for two facilities out in Omaha, Nebraska, Mercy Hospital, Emanuel Medical Center. We're coming up um, to the end of another great podcast. I've really enjoyed this time with Carol. But Carol, you know, Omaha, again, you know, we were talking at the very beginning um, just about Omaha and what people wouldn't know when we talked about sports, but Omaha and, you know, the Nebraska Medical Center and where you are also very important um, relative to research and, and, and a history with, with uh, diseases and all. You've been a director through COVID. Uh, you were a director through H10N3 or the bird flu in 2013. Each was notable. Obviously, COVID is a little bit more than notable. But in your career, is there any event that sticks out? Do you recall that one? It, it, do you, as you look back on what you've experienced, is there any event such as this that sticks out in your mind? And if so, why? What about it? 
you know, the event that sticks out in my mind is is specific to one of the hospitals that I worked with. It was uh, it wasn't uh, you know a a more nationwide or local event, but it was specific mm-hmm. to a hospital. When I first got to to Emmanuel about ten years ago, they were in the middle of a, a fairly large uh, uh, electrical distribution project that um, then I took over when I came as 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 the director. And about three days into being on campus, um, we had an issue where we lost all, we lost our entire emergency circuit. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Three days. Three days. Yeah. You know, you don't know anybody. You don't, you know, uh, and and you end up being, you know, kind of incident commander of a situation because you're the one that knows the most about it. I tell you, you want to find a way to... uh, get to know people real quick uh, mm. and get them to like you or not like you real quick. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, just, just make sure all your red outlets don't work and, and it goes <laughs> wonderful. So that's the one that really sticks out in my mind, not only from, from a, uh, the perspective of the, the actual, you know, technical portion of it, which of course I had people to help with, but, mm-hmm. but again, the leadership and the communication style portion that, um, you know, you're in a situation where really you're telling a bunch of people that don't know you what they have to do, you know, yeah, uh, because they don't, they don't know. So that one, that one was, was interesting. As a matter of fact, I've, I've taken that one and, and done a number of presentations on it. Hmm. Um, just because the the learnings were so were 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 so important, so um, that's the one that probably sticks out the most. Short of COVID, COVID's yep. been life changing for all of us. I think um, I was very involved in in the COVID response, not only for my hospitals but also for our for for our system, uh, and uh, it it has it has. It has, I think, really, COVID has has changed healthcare for forever. You know, I agree. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, can I go back and just last question? This was the last question, but relative to your um, relative to that experience when you started at Emanuel, is there in the presentation that you do? Is there a leadership? Is there a leadership takeaway from that that you can provide? Is there, is there one overarching? leadership theme that came out of that for you? I would, you know, I hate to go back to the same answer with you all the time, Peter, but I would, Mm -hmm. I would just say that kind of be yourself. Um, Make sure they understand, Hey, I'm the best, I'm the best person you have to run this thing for you. I know, I know this, I got this. I know you don't know me, but yeah, but it's all going to be okay. And here's why it's going to be okay. And just, just be yourself, use the knowledge that you have, communicate that everything, you know, this is how it's going to work. This is why it's going to be okay. We're going to keep our patients safe. Um, but going back to that, be yourself and just, just use that stuff that you know and have the confidence, confidence to do that. And then when it's all done, say thank you. Because <laughs> I couldn't have done it without you, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's a great one on the back end. Say thank you. It works, right? Well, I appreciate uh, I appreciate your time. I've been speaking with Carol McCormick from Common Spirit Health in Omaha, Nebraska. Carol, thank you for uh, thank you for meeting with me today. I really appreciate it. 
Well, thank you, Peter. I enjoyed it. You have a great day. I will. And this is Peter Martin from Goslin Martin Associates signing off. Thank you for listening to the High Reliability Podcast, and we will be back again soon. Have a great day.